welcome in. Happy Super Bowl week. Let's fucking go. Who would have thought we would have made it this far? <laughs> I mean, at the beginning of the year, if you were to tell me, hey, like, we we're going to start the season on time, we weren't going to push back to a week 18, there weren't going to be any games postponed, and we're going to start the Super Bowl on time. I would have told you uh, whatever drugs you're on, I want a hit of, and I am, I am pleasantly surprised. I, I did not think we we're gonna make it to this. I thought we were probably gonna have another week or two buffer uh, before this game started, and um, you know, hats off to the NFL. I am thoroughly impressed. Spot on, dude. Even though they had their hiccups in the season with, with how they uh, they made their calls on some of these these mm-hmm. COVID situations, you know, they they pushed right along and. You know, if everything goes well, they could be the, the one sports team that actually completes a 2020 season as, like, a normal schedule. It's kind of – it really is impressive. Yeah. On top of that, they're going to have 25,000 people in the stands. I think about 7,500 of those 25,000 are going to be healthcare workers that they donated tickets to that are already vaccinated. Um, but you guys are spot on, man. I mean, I think we've got to give props to Roger Goodell in the NFL office. Um, those guys always love to make a buck and not even a <laughs> pandemic is going to slow them down when they want to make their money. Um, but we all had our we all had our doubts, man, especially uh, back in April when this thing kind of launched. Everybody was like, there's no way in hell the NFL is going to have a full season. Um, but it's it's been a absolute marvel to get through the season. It's exciting stuff. I'm I'm looking forward to watching another Super Bowl and. You know, it's, it's going to be different. Obviously, you know, I don't know if you guys saw a bunch of the, you know, advertisement companies are not paying money for their mm-hmm. advertisements. But, you know, what? N- nevertheless, it's going to be a little bit of normalcy having the uh, Super Bowl in the beginning of February. I'll say this much, though. I don't know if I'm ready for a half hour of the weekend for um, oh, give a it halftime to show. No, uh, give it to me. I'm ready. Give it to me. I'm a big I'm, fan uh, of the weekend. I'm, I'm kind of good. Like, I, I, I might step outside. And, uh, and, and well, hang out for a half hour. Well, Puma, generally speaking, I'm the kind of guy that, like, hates the, the theater around the Super Bowl because I'm there for the game. Like, I don't I don't like when people come over and, like, watch it with you and make jokes about the commercials because I'm so in tune to the game. And most mm-hmm. of the times the Patriots are there, so I watch it by myself. And I generally spick, uh, skip the halftime show. But this year, I'm, like, ready for it. I love me some weekend. I think he's a great performer, great artist. I think he's going to put on a hell of a show. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to it too, and I kind of echo what you said about you know the theatrics around the Super Bowl. I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah. Back when the Patriots played the Falcons, uh, Lady Gaga was the halftime oh. show. Chantel was all about it, like all excited about it. And you know, halftime the Patriots are getting spanked. She's getting all excited. I'm like, I really do not care. Stop trying to be all happy right now. The Patriots are getting spanked. Wow. Come on. Why was all right, Al Bundy? <laughs> Why was she getting excited when the Patriots were down? Is she not she was excited. Fan? No, no, she was excited about Lady Gaga. She's a big oh, fan okay, of Lady okay. Gaga, and that was what she was really looking forward to in the game. Okay. And the Patriots are getting spanked, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. Nobody I can have positivity joy. right now. No Nobody joy can have, I joy can't have joy exactly. in the Burge house. <laughs> exactly. I remember that Falcon Super Bowl. I, I turned the TV off in the third quarter, um, and I went and laid down my bed, and uh, I didn't cry because I don't cry for football games anymore. But it was it was hard. It was tough. And then all of a sudden, like I hear my phone going off a little bit, like bing bing. I'm like, oh, oh, what's happening? So I get back to the TV, and then the then they just it just the steamroll comes. Twenty eight three comeback comes, and it's probably my favorite Super Bowl of all time. Yep, uh, it, it was it was a great ending. We'll just say that. Yeah, I think for me that's my favorite Super Bowl uh, of the Patriots. Second favorite is going to be that Seattle one where Michael Butler intercepts the ball. Third is probably going to be that uh, that first Super Bowl one that we had. And then I, I kind of flip flop between the the Carolina and the Eagles one, and then the last Rams one is the last one because it was just it was kind of a shit game. I agree with you there. I just flip around Seattle and Atlanta. I just mm-hmm. the emotional roller coaster that was that last drive for the Seahawks was unmatched, and we'll never see it again. I still can't believe they threw the ball. <laughs> I still can't Same believe here. Pete Carroll threw the ball. That, that memory is... popped up on my Facebook feed, and I, I was like, "Really? Like, yeah. re- oh God." <laughs> I listened to the um, I listened to the radio call from Bob Sosi and, and Scott Zolak for that oh interception, God. and it it just gets me so giddy every time. It's good. It's intercepted. It's intercepted. Oh my God! <laughs> God, uh, Zolak. Great, memories. great oh. memories of the Patriots and the Super Bowls, man. 
Um, all right, but we do have a game this weekend we're going to get to. Uh, we'll discuss the X's and O's of the Super Bowl. We'll give you our predictions, and we'll talk about a couple different storylines uh, that are going to be surrounding the Super Bowl. But before all of that, we're going to talk about a big trade that happened over the weekend. Uh, Matthew Stafford is being shipped off from Detroit to Los Angeles. Um, in return, the Los Angeles Rams are going to give up a first-rounder this year, first-rounder next year, a third-rounder this year, and then Jared Goff as well. But most importantly, they're also going to ship off Jared Goff's contract to Detroit as well, which is uh, kind of the big story here. So uh, Puma and both Burge, uh, what do you guys think about? Uh, when? What's your analysis and your instant reaction of that trade? And does this make the Rams an actual Super Bowl contender um, going into the next season? Yeah, so I mean, my thoughts on the trade are less need uh, just hates first-round draft picks because <laughs> I don't think that guy has had a first-round draft pick going on eight years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you know, kudos to him and kudos to the people that run, like, the salary cap numbers for the Rams by, by being able to mortgage off these draft picks uh, to, to acquire veteran talent. It's almost like they reload every year for the Super Bowl. And, you know, Jared Goff has been Jekyll and Hyde his entire career uh, with with the Rams. And, you know, I I think this move would bring stability to that organization that's in a Super Bowl winning window at the moment. Like the defensive side of the football is an elite talent and that window is going to start closing pretty soon when those chickens come home to roost with all those contracts. And on the offensive side of the football, like Cam Akers, I love that pickup in the draft uh, this year out of Florida State. You have Malcolm Brown that they love a lot, Daryl Henderson that they drafted the year prior. I mean, the tools are there. And, you know, Matthew Stafford's contract is team-friendly. I think over the next two years, it's what, like 20-something million dollars each year almost for like a cap hit. It's it's manageable. It's It's not that bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he's not going to be banging the table for an extension. So he's not going to be like that squeaky wheel that you know just got traded there looking to get paid. He wanted to go to Los Angeles. His buddy Clayton Kershaw pitches for for the uh, for the Dodgers, and one could make an argument that maybe there was some tampering involved because they just happened yep. to be Sean McVay <laughs> and uh, Matthew Stafford just happening to be vacationing in Cabo at the same time, mm-hmm. and they talked about this uh, potential trade. But I mean, all in all. Good move by the Rams, possibly a good move for Jared Goff, a change of scenery. He felt, he said it himself in the interviews the days after the trade, that he felt like he really wasn't wanted there, and the Detroit staff made him feel wanted, and they're going to look to run the football a lot, so like that scheme kind of makes a lot of sense for Goff, and I just hope he's ready to bite some kneecaps for Coach Campbell. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, when I saw the trade come out, and, you know, I just thought, wow, what a price to pay for, for the Rams to get Matthew Stafford. I, you know, say what you want about Jared Goff. He is very much Jekyll and Hyde, like you said, Puma. But, you know, he did manage a team to the Super Bowl with the Rams just two years ago. So when he's on, he can at least con- control the game and limit the mistakes to get his team to that point. Now, is it worth it to just dump him. I mean, that contract was atrocious. I won't, I won't disagree with that, but it, it, it screams a little bit of an overpay to me for the Rams. But at the same time, the Rams are, were, are essentially a quarterback away and a, you know, solid borderline above average, great quarterback play away from really being a contender in that NFC. And, you know, I think this trade has the potential to pan out for both teams I mean, the, the Lions are not now uh, hamstrung to be taking a uh, quarterback with their first draft pick. I mean, it would still probably make sense for them to do it, but they're not hamstrung to do it now. And, you know, the Rams, you know, they hate, obviously hate first-round picks, like you said, but they've got, they've got this, great, this great roster now with, you know, the offense is, is, in, is intact. they got Stafford. They, like, you, Puma, you listed off the running backs. you got Robert Woods. you got Cooper Cup out there. Like... You know, it, it's, it, it screams overpay on initial reaction, but I think that this trade really has the, the ability to work out for both teams down the road. Yeah. And when I first saw this trade, it gave me a really, um, it gave me a sense of it being like an NBA trade almost. Um, yes, sure, I can see that Matthew Stafford is, you know, worth a first rounder. That's fine. We all accept, thought he was going to be a first rounder. 
Um, I can see the third rounder as well um, for Matthew Stafford. But that second first rounder is what really screamed at me. And essentially, I think that second first rounder was just to get the, the golf contract off the books for the Rams. I mean, you see this in the NBA all the time. People ship off you know, players just to get the contracts off their books. Um, so it had that kind of feel. Now, for the Rams themselves, I, I think you're, you guys are spot on. It's a win-now mode for the Rams. They've got to make some they've got to make some noise going forward because they really don't have any first rounders um, but i want to see how this pans out because it seems like sean McVay and les need are thinking outside the box they're trying this whole method of well listen let's not take talent uh in with the first round pick and try to essentially groom them into being great all-stars when you don't know if they're going to be all-stars or not or even great players let's just go out there and get a matthew stafford who's already established let's go out there and get a jalen ramsey and let's build in the the medium part of the draft now with that being said you've got to hit on your second third fourth rounders and it looks like they have been i mean for the last four for for the last three or four years they've done a really good job of finding great talent in that third fourth second rounders um deep uh, middle in the middle of the draft so in regards to next year i think the rams are possibly gonna be the favorites coming out of the nfc uh, nfc west um i think the seattle seahawks got some problems I don't know if Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are ready to make a run. Um, we thought they're going to be, I thought we thought they're going to make a run this year, but they obviously had some issues down the stretch. But I think the 49ers are one to watch because obviously if they weren't hurt and banged up, they would have made some noise in the NFC West. But looking forward, I, I think the Rams are possibly going to be, you know, one, maybe two or three uh, in the power rankings for the NFC to come out of that uh, come out of that conference next year. I definitely agree with you. I think that they're instant contender with Matthew Stafford as long as he can stay healthy. And play the full season and all that. He's you know he can he's been prone to getting dinged up, but at the same time he's one of the toughest uh, mm-hmm. guys to play the position in the league right now. So for me, they're an instant contender in the NFC for next year. If they you know if they uh, return all their guys next year, they don't make any more drastic moves, trade away any of the guys on their roster, which I don't foresee happening. But they have an elite defense, and now their offense just took a huge step forward. You know, getting a known commodity in in Matthew Stafford, so you know, it's it's going to be interesting to play out. I mean, the salary cap impacts of of these moves um, for this year. I think um, the Rams took in like a twenty two million dollar cap hit, uh, dead hit next year for for golf, and I think Stafford was in the twenty million range for the for for the Lions as a dead cap hit. Yeah. So you know, we'll see how the offseason plays out, but you know, right now it's it, it for me the Rams are an instant contender thought they could make a run this year and now they add Matthew Stafford into it and just yeah. elevates them that much. Well, part of me thinks with that defense, they could have put up a better fight in in, uh, in Green Bay um, if if uh, Jared Goff could actually hold on to the ball. I mean, he had those injuries with his thumb. Um, that hampered him. I, I do believe if he was healthy going into that game, um, I think they could have come out come out of there with a the win. And I think that's what you know Sean McVay is looking at. He's look, looking at his team. He's looking at it in a situation where he's got to win now. So he went and he was, he was as aggressive as possible. Uh, on the other side, Jared Goff. I mean, listen, I think he's an above-average quarterback, and, and I, as a Patriots fan, would love to have him right now because we will take anything above average. Um, but I, I am I am curious to see how this is going to pan out for the Lions, if they're going to go ahead and draft another quarterback um, and start developing what Goff is, a bridge guy, or if, if Jared Goff is going to be a long-term answer. So we'll see how the how it pans out for the, for the Lions on that end. No, I agree Just, with you. Just bite kneecaps and you'll have a job. Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, one thing I want to hit on before we move off this topic is I want to talk about the Tom Kern article that came out over the weekend. Uh, because essentially... <laughs> Here we go. I, I, or can we hit on this before we move off this topic or no? Why not? We already set the, the ship and sail. Let's go. <laughs> well, Tom Kern came out with an article saying essentially that Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions had more of a collaborative feel to this trade. They were kind of, the Lions went back to Stafford and asked him where he wants to be traded to. And the thing that you know Tom Kern reported was Matthew Stafford said, trade me to any single spot except for the New England Patriots. And I wanted to kind of get your guys' gauge on that, what your thought process on that report was, and if that says anything detrimental about the Patriots right now. All right. Burge, before you go, let me just get this off my chest real quick. So here's my thought. Now, one, I've been saying this offline. Um, it, it doesn't make sense to trade the guy uh, that's your franchise quarterback, who I called last week as Mr. Mr. Lion, uh, you know, all due respect to, to Barry Sanders. 
trade him to a team who just hired the head coach that just got fired three months before who did not have a pleasant working relationship with like that to me was instant you know persona non grata on that trade and number two you have to think of it this way as well Matthew Stafford for his entire career even in college played either in a dome stadium or in a warm environment and you know it's something to be said about playing in New England in the cold like I he hasn't done that ever, uh, short of going up to Lambeau or Chicago in, in you know, December. Um, this move, to me, makes a whole lot of sense to go out to the West Coast, and your wife wanted to go somewhere warm. So, like, that's how I would rank it. Uh, I don't really, I guess, take it as, like, a shot across the bow for the New England Patriots. I think, really, at the end of the day, the Matt, the Matt Patricia hire was the bigger problem in this entire trade. Now... I know we, Patricia is back in New England and into all that, but like he wasn't like he was talking to Patricia for the trade. Patricia is an assistant coach; he's not the head coach, not the one making the calls. You know, it probably did play a factor in you know the Patriots not, um, you know, really being a serious player for Stafford. And you know, say what you want about the report, I I, I kind of echo what you're saying here, Puma. Um, you know, not wanting to go to the cold environment. I mean, granted, also look at the Patriots roster right now. They don't have a lot of offensive talent. The Detroit um, roster might actually be better. Offensively, yeah, they have more weapons. I, I that's, yep. You can't argue that. So, you know, I, if you want to look at this as a shot at, uh, at Bill a Goat, um, oh you know, here, <laughs> AKA the if barnyard you, goat. If you want to, if you want to look at this like this, you know, that's your prerogative. Go ahead, go for it. But, you know, I think it lies deeper with A, the location, B, the Patricia hire, and and C, the lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball for the Patriots. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I, I've, uh, I've, I was disheartened to watch to see this report because for me, I think I, I, in my mind, had this idea that maybe this is a year that finally with Tom Brady leaving, um, and us having a down year with the Patriots that essentially we wouldn't be able to attract free agents, any free agents to come to New England. And, and you know, I thought that was just my own little, you know, storyline in my head. But the fact that it played out the way it played out and the fact that somebody actually reaffirmed that via Tommy Kern's report, I mean, that kind of struck a blow to me as a Patriots fan, man, because I, I thought for sure that, you know, Bill Belichick would still have some sort of cachet to be able to bring in free agents, free agents to the New England Patriots uh, organization. And I'm not saying that just one move in itself is gonna, you know, do in Bill Belichick or not landing Matthew Stafford. That's not the deal. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is, I think this speaks to a bigger problem that Bill Belichick has, uh, the perceived perception that he has around the league. Um, I'll, you know, it's not gonna do him any good that Matthew Stafford essentially gave him a big fuck you on uh, all over national media, right? Essentially, that report did a lot of damage to Belichick's um, ability to recruit uh, free agents to come to New England. So. I, I it was just it was hard to see that report, man. Um, I, I hope it doesn't affect future free agents to come to New England. Um, but at the moment, it doesn't look like um, it, it's it's a good um, it's a good situation for Belichick in regards to attracting free agents to New England. The other thing that I will say is, you know, we heard that report about a week ago. It was you know somehow leaked that they're gonna the Patriots are gonna be aggressive as possible in the offseason to get um, that was from Curran as well, right? That was from Curran as well. And I think you offering a second rounder um, and a player uh, is not being as aggressive as possible to land a free uh, to land a quarterback. Uh, this goes into my bigger issue. I have with Bill Belichick. He believes he can win with anybody, um, and I think he's making those moves with that philosophy in the back of his head. Because a second rounder did nothing at the bargaining table. Like I mean, there's no way in hell you're gonna win anybody over with a second round pick. So. Um, I hope he doesn't think, uh, I hope he's just, you know, he didn't like Matthew Stafford and that's the reason he offered a second rounder. But if he's going through this whole process thinking I can find a valuable quarterback um, that I can just kind of, you know, get for cheap, it's not going to be like that uh, going forward for the Patriots. And it's going to suck because we're going to have another bad year next year. Well, I'll just say, like, I, I wanted them nowhere in the ballpark of what the Lions actually got for for Stafford. I wouldn't I wouldn't have wanted them to make that move. Um, at all and you know in terms of uh, acquiring you know free agents to come to or attracting free agents to come to New England I mean there's been issues with this in recent past 
Like, even when Tom Brady was here. So it's like you, you don't have the allure of Brady now. Obviously, there's going to be an issue there. But even when Brady was here, you know, I mean, that wasn't an, you know, enough to attract some of these these free agents to come here. So I, it, it, it's tough to see what the, the issue is. But, it, again, in, in terms of offering a second-round pick, I mean, I don't have an issue with them doing that. And at the same time, we don't know what the player was that they offered. Um, and, you know, knowing what the player that they offered was, I mean, I, I have to think it was maybe maybe a J.C. Jackson or a Stephon Gilmore um, in that trade, which, you know, doesn't really move the needle much to, you know, compared to what they received for for Stafford from the Rams. But, I mean, you had, like, like Adam Humphreys and uh, Cole Beasley – made offers by the Patriots and they, and they didn't want to come back when Brady was here. So, you know, I, I, the environment here, um, you know, definitely plays a factor in, uh, you know, attracting people to come here and play in Boston or in New England. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, Pumi, we'll get any last thoughts on this. Or should we yeah. I was just going to try to pick your guys' brain real quick on the Stafford bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are trying to draw the lines of what, Stafford got in, you know, what Detroit, I should say, got in a, in a haul for, for the trade to what Houston could potentially get if they ever decided to trade Deshaun Watson. What do you guys think, like, this does to any perceived market value that Watson may have with the Houston Texans? Yeah, man, listen, like, I think when it comes to those prize um, quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson, you're never really going to get fair market value. Um, because I truly believe the going price for Deshaun Watson in the trade is going to be probably like three first-rounders and maybe three second-rounders. But even that's not going to be real uh, market value for Deshaun Watson. So, you know, it's one of those things where I'm in the belief now that uh, the Houston Texans are going to call his bluff and they're going to essentially make Mm -hmm. him play the season. And, and, you know, they're probably going to move him at the trade deadline or next offseason. But whenever they move him, it's not going to be fair market value for somebody as sought after as Deshaun Watson. No, I I kind of agree with you, Jay. Um, You were spot on with your prediction. I I am 100% behind what you predicted was going to happen with Deshaun Watson this year. You know, they're going to force him to play there, even though he doesn't want to be there at all. Um, in terms of the, the price, I mean, if, you're, if, if you're not spot on, you're close. You know, I think at least three first round picks. Um, and I got to think um, a roster controlled or a team controlled contract. Um, few roster players have to be going back to to the Texans for them to to get their kind of their fair market value for him. I, it's it's tough to break down the Lions trade because you know that I I'm a, I firmly believe that one of those first round picks that they included in that trade was just for Detroit to to take Jared Goff in a salary dump, um, so it, it, it's tough to evaluate it and it'll be interesting to see if 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 uh, Houston actually gets anything uh, any like legitimate offers that they're going to consider for for Watson if they're even going to entertain them. Right. No, I don't think I don't think they're entertaining them. And I think uh, I forget the name of the reporter, but she works for Bleacher Report. She put something out there that two uh, two executives in the NFL, one in the AFC, one in the NFC, uh, has been calling Houston, and, the, and they're basically telling them that they have zero interest in trading him. But I mean, if I'm the general manager, if I'm Nick Casario, uh, and you're offering me a trade, uh, three three first, three seconds, and uh, young roster talent that is team control because my salary cap is in cap hell, or I'm hanging up the phone. Like, And I think with all that being said, if there was ever a trade partner that could do this, it might be the Carolina Panthers because they have a lot of young studs on the defensive side of the football, and that defensive side for Houston is an absolute sieve. And I firmly believe that J.J. Watt is going to be traded uh, this offseason so they can get at least a second-round draft pick because they don't have one in the draft this year. Um, If you were to have a trade partner, I think Carolina would be ahead in the clubhouse. Yeah. If I was the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I know it will never happen because you never trade within your own division, but... I found the Jaguars. I pick up the phone and call Houston. Be like, hey, listen, here's a first rounder, which is Trevor Lawrence essentially, and maybe another first rounder next year as well. Because at least at that point, Trevor Lawrence is a young, controllable asset for the next four to five years on the cheap that can have a great bedrock for the Houston Texans to build off of. On top of that, you have another first coming next year, and maybe you can squeeze a couple of mid rounders out of. Uh, the Jag, uh, the Jaguars as well. I would really consider that, but obviously it's never going to happen because you don't trade within the division in the NFL. 
Mm-hmm. Can, can, can we just say how far the Houston Texans have fallen in just one year? Mm-hmm. Like you go to the divisional round, pushing the Kansas City Chiefs to the brink, and in fact, they should have won that game last year uh, against the Chiefs. And look at them now; like they're an organization in complete disarray. And you know, it's going to be a messy standoff with Watson and the Texans this offseason. It's going to be interesting to watch it. But it's going to be messy, and it's 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 not going to be good, especially well, for a guy I like. Well, the question I have is how far does Deshaun Watson want to take this? Because, you know, he's doing a lot of things right now that seem like he's 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 digging in. But is he actually going to dig in and sit out the season if they call his bluff? That's the big question here. Has has Deshaun Watson and his agent sat down before they started this whole endeavor and said, "Listen, there might be a chance that you might have to sit out the season. Are you okay with that?" And if he is, then yeah, he might be successful in getting traded out of Houston. But if he isn't and he falters, then he might be there for the long haul. I think he's going to be there for the long haul. I mean, there was a report that came out yesterday uh, that some radio personality said his agent uh, said that Deshaun Watson's not going to not going to attend OTAs, and like the agent quickly shot that down. Mm-hmm. Like he know everybody saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell when he sat out a year, uh, and. I think they're drawing parallels to what could happen to Deshaun Watson if he sits out a year. And let's be honest, I know he got a lot of that money on his new contract uh, last year as a signing bonus, but he's not an idiot. He's a smart guy. He knows how much money he's going to lose if he sits out a whole season. He's not going to leave that money on the table. He'll be there. I mean, at the same time, like, it's hard to compare what Le'Veon Bell did to what Deshaun Watson could do here. I mean, he's a quarterback. It's the most prized uh, position in all of sports, essentially. And, you know, he's 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 a physical – I'm sorry, he's a rushing quarterback. He's a scrambler, and, mm-hmm. and he likes to run. I, it could go a long way in preserving his uh, long-term longevity as, as a quarterback in the league if he does sit out and he gets his way and he gets to go where he wants to go. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to compare the two because Le'Veon Bell was at the end, more towards the end of his, you know, lifespan as a running back in the league when he sat out. And, you know, Deshaun Watson is not even in his prime yet for a quarterback. So yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, this never happens in the NFL. You don't get young, great talent at 25 years old wanting out or is somehow available. I mean, uh, the Houston Texans just absolutely butchered this whole, this whole thing from the start. I can't believe that they're actually at this point where their star quarterback that might be right up there with Patrick Mahomes without the winning, obviously, because he's not surrounded by all that talent. But, I mean, you know, with his own physical skill sets of running and throwing the football, it's right up there with Patrick Mahomes. And I cannot believe the Houston Texans are at this point where, I mean, that's, that just speaks to the shit organization they are, right? I just think, I just think like, why is he going to go out there and risk injury if he doesn't want to be there and he knows they're not going to win anything where he mm-hmm. can sit out, preserve himself, work out on his own, and, you know, in the position that he plays, going into his prime, being traded out to a team that wants him, will build around him, and will, you know, care about what he thinks going forward. I think I, it may make sense for him to do it. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. All right, well, let's move on to the Super Bowl 55 breakdown and predictions. As most of you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be playing the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday for Super Bowl 55 in Tampa Bay. Um, so, Puma, I'll turn it over to you. What are some of your X's and O's analysis of the game, and who do you have winning this game? Well, real quick off the jump, I'm kind of disappointed that the NFL put the kibosh on them firing the cannons that. for any that. touchdown. And, and listen, like it doesn't even have to be if like just Tampa Bay scores. Like I think okay. you, you should just fire the cannons if like whoever scores a friggin' touchdown in the game. But the NFL put put the kibosh on it. No no cannons uh, for uh, for the Super Bowl. Um, but I mean, for me, X's and O's wise in this game, I mean, it's it's going to come down to can this pass rush of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers attempt to contain um, Patrick Mahomes? And I mean, we saw it two weeks ago against the Buffalo Bills. I was on this bandwagon as well, too, thinking, all right, like he's a little bit compromised with like the toe, like the turf toe injury. It's legit. He's probably going to need uh, surgery in the offseason. Uh, but, you know, they, Buffalo stands a puncher's chance, and he picked them apart. He was able to move around the pocket, and I, I'm going to love to see what the, the front four and front seven of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do 
uh, against this, especially because one of the uh, there was a, a close contact uh, COVID uh, isolation for the Buccaneers, uh, not the Buccaneers, the Chiefs. Uh, one one of them was the center for the Chiefs, and then the other one was uh, Demarcus Robinson, uh, a wide receiver for the Chiefs. Um, they might be able to to play in the game, but that that offensive line was already thin at best, and now you have the center that may miss if he doesn't test negative throughout the rest of the week. Uh, I think Jason Pierre-Paul might be in line for a decent day. Um, I, I, I really like the Bucks defense in this game. They're second against the pass. They can be beaten on the ground, but I, I really want to see what Todd Bowles is going to do on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, well, for me, I mean, looking back to their matchup um, earlier this year, it's going to be – the key for me is going to be how are they going to contain Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I mean – Last the last matchup, Tyreek Hill freaking ran wild. had had almost three hundred yards receiving in the game and three touchdowns. You know how are they going to to contain this? And you know Puma, like you said, the offensive line for the Chiefs is definitely a uh, concern. Um, you know I think Eric Fisher went out after the last game. Is that correct? Yep, he blew his Achilles. Yeah, he went out after the last game, so they're dinged up on the offensive side of the ball. Can they get the pressure? You know, I mean, Mahomes can handle the pressure. Can they get enough to where they kind of knock him around, throw him off his game, uh, and not be able to find his, you know, his 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 bankies, so to speak, in Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill? And th- th- again, it comes back. That also comes back to how's the Tampa Bay secondary going to play? I remember watching the uh, NFC Championship and thinking about Carlton Davis back there being like, "Whoa, he's getting beat." You know, I mean, he might have made a play or two in that game, but for the most part, I don't think he looked that good. So it, it, that's going to be the battle, um, in, in, in my opinion, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I don't think – I'm not really too concerned, especially or at least in the first half of the game um, with the Chiefs' defense limiting that, that Bucks offense. I think that they can do it. They, they showed it earlier in the year. Um, you know, it's going to be – for them, the battle is going to be in the second half when, you know, Tom Brady is Tom Brady and – you know, makes makes his living in Super Bowls, as far as we can remember, and that'll be that'll be a real big battle uh, that I'll be interested to watch. Yeah, well, listen, for me, it, it comes down to three different things uh, that I'm watching for in this game. The offensive philosophy for the Buccaneers going into this game, I'm one, I'm wondering, is it going to be the same old no risk it, no biscuit offense where there's some quick three and outs? Um, and that can cause some severe issues, or is it going to be more of a balanced attack with some running aspect and taking some time off the clock? Because we all know you've got to do whatever you can to keep Kansas City on the sidelines. Um, I'm of the belief that even if Kansas City comes out and has a, a you know bad first quarter or bad, fat, bad first half, they're just one big play away from absolutely going off and going berserk. So it's all about limiting those big plays, limiting their offensive mojo, keeping the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. And I'll be interested to see how Bruce Arian comes out and essentially how he thinks he can beat this team. Um, the second thing is Tyreek Hill. That's always a factor for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he's in a, he's in this league where you've got a game plan around him. Like I know Travis Kelsey is a great player, but he doesn't scare me as much as Tyreek Hill does. You've got to somehow either you know roll coverage over Tyreek Hill, maybe bracket him, maybe double team, whatever you got to do to make sure he doesn't have 203 yards in the first quarter like it was last time is going to be key. And then finally, Puma, you hit it on the head. The Tampa Bay pass rush against that injured offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs. How is that going to play out? I do believe that with the injuries the Chiefs have on on the offensive line, Shaquille Barrett, Devin White, and uh, JPP are going to have um, are going to have a, a good day. So if they get three to four sacks on Mahomes, you know, hit him a couple times early, that might be the key to the game. But you know, in the end, uh, I think I'm going to roll with the Buccaneers here. I've been going against Tom Brady for this whole year, um, whether it was in against the Saints, against the, the Packers. Um, I'm not going to do that anymore. So give me the Buccaneers 28-24, and Tom Brady gets the seventh Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, I forgot to say this off the top, but right now, as of recording, the spread is Chiefs as the favorite by three points. The over-unders at 56. I expect this line probably to move back and forth a little bit more between three and three and a half. Um, I personally like the Buccaneers in this game, um, not only just from a betting perspective, but I just like uh, Tom Brady a little bit more, which I never thought I would live to see the day of <laughs> saying that. that. He's become wow. a Brady fan. But, I mean, years. but, like, you, you have to think of it in totality, right? Like, he's overcome 
inept coaching down in Tampa. And, you know, like I said last week, like, God bless Byron Leftwich. I, I love me some Byron Leftwich, just not as an offensive coordinator this year. Mm-hmm. And, and and Bruce Arians, the, the buffoon that he is, but he's overcome that. He's overcome not having a, a, a training camp with these guys. He's been learning on the fly. And they're in the the Super Bowl at this point. It's it's very hard to go against the Buccaneers when up until the Buffalo Bills game, the Kansas City Chiefs have been coasting all season long. I think I think that's going to come back and bite them. I, I, I took the L against the Buffalo Bills. I get that. But I think that chicken's going to come home to roost with Tampa Bay when the Super Bowl at home. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, Jay, you might roast me for this, but like, I think that the Buccaneers playing defense against Patrick Mahomes need need to take a page out of what the Patriots have done to the Chiefs in the first half of a game for the last what four years that they played them and in limiting their offensive output completely in the first half of these games. Obviously, in the in the second half of those games, Kansas City finds a way to to you know you know get through the cracks and and put up some points, but. If, if I'm Todd Bowles, I'm watching that film and, and trying to, you know, scheme a game plan, you know, with the guys that I have to to limit whatever I can get out of out of the uh, out of uh, the, their defense to limit the Chiefs from scoring um, quickly and often in the first half of the game to allow my offense led by the greatest quarterback of all time to get to uh, generate us a cushion to go into the second half. Um, I I'm going to. I'm going to pick this game with my gut, not my heart, for the first time all year. I'm going to pick the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game by three points. Um, but, I, you know, make no mistake about it, I'm going to be rooting for Tom Brady and the Bucks in this game to, to win, and we'll get into why later on. Here comes the Burge hedge. The hedge. <laughs> no, it's not a hedge. That's not a hedge at all. The hedge. I'm rooting. I'm, I'm picking. I'm picking a winner, and I'm rooting for the opposite. Well, this How's is that a hedge. Thing, this is the same thing we roasted Pumo for when we talked about that Dolphins versus Bill scenario, and he said the same exact thing. That's essentially a hedge. You, you pick one. No. Or the other. No. He Puma's a Bills fan here, and loves and loves and loves Josh go. Allen and wants him to win. There's a difference. There's a difference. All right, people. Let's all get into right. why. We'll, we'll get into why. Let's keep, let's keep this on the tracks, all right? We don't need our uh, our Twitter conversation. We'll get into we'll get into why into we'll get podcast. into why when we talk about the storylines. Let's go. But yeah, so you're spot on right. There's a couple storylines we want to talk about coming out of the Super Bowl, and you know everybody loves to talk about legacies. That's you know everybody nowadays thinks a, a game is going to define a legacy. We have the that L-word. with Tom Brady oh, and uh, and uh, Aaron Rodgers the other day. But the question I want to ask you guys is. In terms of legacy, and I'll start with you, um, Puma. You know, who are the biggest winners and losers coming out of Super Bowl if they if they win or lose the game? I mean, you, you probably you have to go with with the the Chiefs if they if they end up winning this football game. I mean, you have Patrick Mahomes winning his second Super Bowl in a row. Uh, went to back to back AFC Championship games and uh, actually three three in a row. But I mean, he's on a trajectory to be potentially the next to be the greatest of all time. I mean, if he if he wins this game, uh, you know, he's on a trajectory to possibly overthrow Tom Brady. And I mean, even without a win, I I still think that Andy Reid is the best head coach in the NFL right now. Not saying he's better in totality of his career, but I mean, you definitely have to start looking through life as a football fan uh, through those uh, glasses if the Chiefs win this game. Yeah, and I will agree with you on that regard, man. I do believe that Andrew Reid has the most to gain out of the Super Bowl because, you know, I'm of the mindset that Andy Reid with another Super Bowl win and the past success he's had without Patrick Mahomes could catapult him into the conversation as the best coach in this current era. And we all understand that Bill <laughs> Belichick has his, <laughs> has his six Super Bowls and we get that. But let's just see how this pans out, right? Let's see. Let's say Andy Reid gets two Super Bowl wins now with his his quarterback that he has. You know, he has five championship appearances in the NFC with Donald McNabb. He's won with a multiple of different quarterbacks, something we can't say Bill Belichick did. And I do believe that if they're on this trajectory and about another two or three more Super Bowls, I mean, when you have four and you've won with different quarterbacks in different conferences, I think that might speak volumes in regards to Andy uh, catapulting himself in front of Belichick for the best uh uh, coach of all time. Yeah, well, for me, th- this is this is all about Brady versus Mahomes. And Puma, you kind of hit it a little bit with, uh, you know, if Mahomes wins this game, you know, he's the first back-to-back Super Bowl winner since Brady did it with the Patriots back in 03 and 04. 
And, you know, Patrick Mahomes is still young. They still have, you know, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey there with no signs of slowing down. You know, you know, for me in this game, I, 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 I think this game means more for Brady than it does for Mahomes. Just because if Brady wins a seventh, it, it, it takes him another step, you know, further away from, you know, anybody else that's ever won uh, in the Super Bowl at the quarterback position. And, you know, he loses this game. It, it, you know, say what you want about the record. He's been the 10 Super Bowls, but it gets him down to six and four. Um, you know, he's, you know, won six, lost four. Mahomes would be 2-0 and in the Super Bowl and, you know, with, with, with his whole career ahead of him. I mean, if he plays as long as Brady does, you know, it's going to keep that narrative going. And for me as a Patriots fan, I want that, that, that narrative to be squashed as soon as possible because I want what I witnessed the last 20 years with the Patriots to, to never be touched. And if, if Kansas City wins this game and beats Brady – uh, you can definitely anoint the changing of the guard in the NFL um, in terms of the quarterback position. And uh, if Brady wins, I mean, he's just going to further cement his legacy, going to another team, taking them to a Super Bowl and winning it. You know, again, he said he's not done. I don't think he's going to retire if he wins. I think he's going to keep going as long as he can. And, um, you know, there's a chance he could add more Super Bowls to his resume. I just think that this game means more to him than it does to Mahomes because Mahomes has his whole career ahead of him, and the Chiefs are Chiefs are showing no signs of going away. They are still far and away better than any other team in the AFC. It's not going to surprise me next year if they're back here in the Super Bowl again for the third year in a row. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well said. Um, and then the, the last question I want to hit on as well in regards to the storylines out of this game, you know, is this the most impressive Brady run um, what he's doing with the Buccaneers this year. And I'll lead off this by saying, you know, if, if we're talking about Super Bowl wins, if Brady actually wins the Super Bowl, then yes, I will say this will be his most impressive Super Bowl win because of everything he's had to go through this uh, this year. Essentially leaving a system he was comfortable with 20 years, coming down to a, a new team that was 7-9 last year, going through the whole COVID thing. We don't have to rehash all of it. But essentially, he took a team that was 7-9 last year to the Super Bowl, and a lot of the guys give credit to Brady you know, as being that guy that gave them belief to actually get it done. So if they win, this will be the most impressive Super Bowl win they've had. But if they don't win, then I do think the most impressive run for Brady is still going to be that 0-7 team. I mean, that was just absolutely beautiful week in and week out. Obviously, they didn't win the Super Bowl there, but we're talking about runs here. Week to week, that's, I mean, that, that year in 07 was just something special to behold. And that, in my mind, is even the most impressive run. Go ahead, Puma. Yeah, I mean, regardless of win or loss, I think this probably would be the most impressive run, uh, just because you know, like not to beat a dead horse, like everything that they were up against this year. Uh, but I mean, if they win, it it is hard to top twenty eight to three. Like to me, I think that would well, still be the well, most impressive just, win. Well, and that's then just you, one game. Super Bowl. That's just Super Bowl. We're talking about the whole run. You know what I'm saying? Right, but like. I don't know, man. Like, after everything, like, they had to go through up, like, that season, like, they were kind of rolling. But, like, they faced real adversity. Like, they were about to be the first team ever. The New England Patriots, everybody in Mount Olympus. You have Tom Brady and and Bill Belichick sitting up there. And they are being emasculated on national television. I am talking massive shit while working, uh, while while I worked that day. I was talking so much shit. Like, I mean, my my favorite one, (laughs) no no lie, was uh, there was a a meme of uh, former President George H.W. Bush, God rest, uh, in the wheelchair. And the meme was George H.W. Bush has more rushing yards than the New England Patriots right now. And I just kept, I just kept hammering that. And I was talking massive amounts of shit. And I come home and the wheels start falling <laughs> off the bus and, and they end up winning they end up winning the game. And like I, I get it, we're talking about runs, but like in my opinion, like twenty eight to three is virtually impossible to top, regardless. See see for me, like what he's done this year, obviously with a new team, new players and, and getting them to the Super Bowl is very impressive. I'm not going to to dispute that. I was I was a naysayer on the Bucks from day one once he signed there and he's you know, Brady does what he does. He proves people wrong. But for me, the most impressive runs for, for Brady in terms of Super Bowl wins are the 2014 season, and that was the Seahawks Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. the obviously 
Puma, like you said, the Falcons Super Bowl. I mean, in 2014, you had a month into the season, Brady plays probably one of his worst games that he's ever played for the Patriots. You have everybody calling for his head, calling for Jimmy Garoppolo to play, and, you know, they turn around, they have an unbelievably impressive year, capped it off with with a comeback in, in the Super Bowl. Obviously, they were helped up by Malcolm Butler, but they came back and they won that game. And, you know, 2016 speaks for itself. I mean, Brady was suspended the first four year, four, four games of that year, and they came out and they still rolled. And, you know, you, you can't argue what the what they did in that Super Bowl coming back and, and winning from an unprecedented amount of points. Um, never been done before. First overtime win in the Super Bowl. So for me, those two are the, uh, are the most impressive Super Bowl wins. You know, and like Jay, I agree with you. You can't argue what they did in in two thousand seven. That mm-hmm. that roster that was assembled by Bill Belichick to uh, to you know catapult that offense to the next level. Yes, assembled by Bill Belichick to build that <laughs> offense. Getting Wes Welker you, you and, and Randy himself, Moss huh? in there. No, no, I'm oh, taking God. my jabs where I can get them. <laughs> there we you go. But you can't argue that season. You know, it's a, it's a huge disappointment. I've never been more disappointed by a Super Bowl loss in my in my life than that that game and having them see them lose that after such a great season but you know non-super bowl wins you can't top 2007 yeah yeah listen you guys are spot on man and 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 brady listen i don't think if he does win this game a lot of people are talking about hey well listen he's going to retire and walk away that's not hell no he He wants to stay out of the house from his brazilian wife i'm brazilian and i can say that we're all fucking psychotic (laughs) all right he wants to be out of that house, away from Giselle, as long as humanly freaking possible. What about his well, kids? He loves the kids, but his wife is bad <laughs> shit crazy. Listen, I'm Brazilian. I can say this shit. She, we are insane. Right. I'm amazed Tara wants to be in the house with me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying right now. Well, listen, like, if he ends up winning this game, you know, Every single time the Super Bowl comes around and Tom Brady's in it, the questions come up. Are you going to walk away if you win? Blah, blah, blah. And that's not what Tom Brady is, man. I feel like they're going to have to essentially, you know, drag his ass off off the field, you know, with like broken bones and contusions and everything. Um, and, and let's not be, let's not kid ourselves, man. He's going to be back next year as well. They're going to be one of the favorites. They're going to be probably hosting a whole home NFC championship game. I thought next year was going to be their big run. I feel like this is one year ahead of schedule. And if he somehow wins this game and somehow gets back to Super Bowl next year, that's that's an impressive run in itself as well, man. That's 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 pretty impressive. You know, it's just it's 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 the allure of Brady, and you know he finds a way to to, to beat the naysayers. I mean, he's been doing it since he was drafted as a sixth round draft pick. Yeah, and, and you just what you said about that, and I know Brady didn't have a great second half against the Packers, but even his throws that were intercepted were essentially like punt passes down the field. Like even when the guy plays bad, he mm-hmm. doesn't play horrifically bad. He still managed at a at a pretty well level. So. Listen, we're, we're watching something special here. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy Sunday night, um, win or lose. And, you know, if they lose, I'm just going to turn my phone off and go to sleep. And that's going to be the end of that. <laughs> oh, God. We'll be yeah. looking for a new host. <laughs> you know, Jay, Jay you, you make a good point. You make, you, make, you make the point about him making those mistakes, but they're not, like, timely mistakes. The mm-hmm. mistakes that he makes aren't, like, catastrophic. And he's been doing that for 20 years, 21 years now. Like mm-hmm. he'll make his mistakes. I mean, I think in the NFC, in the, in, in conference championship games, like he throws a massive amount of interceptions. I think yep. it's the most in any game that he's played in, but, but they're never mistake, bad. You know what I'm saying? They're never, they're never costing him the game. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, that's something well, I, to be said about that. I don't want I don't want to say like this because as a negative connotation, so I'm not going to call him a game manager, but he has a good feel <laughs> for the game. He has a great feel for the game where essentially he knows, well, listen, I've got to have a shootout here. Like, I, I've got to go out here and i got to score 50 points and i got to do that. Or it's like, all right, well, listen, they're not they're sputtering themselves. Because on, Sun, uh, on Sunday against the Packers, you know, he saw that he threw three interceptions, but he also didn't have to force the ball down the field because he knew the Packers themselves were sputtering as well. So he has a, he has a very good feel for the game. I will say that 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 interception he threw where he was getting pressured and he just chucked it up. Uh, I think I said it last week. It just reminded me so much about Drew Bledsoe when he would be back there and he would just chuck it up for grabs and it would just be like, oh my God, what are you doing? Eat the sack. Come on. But like you said, it wasn't a timely mistake. Like he made the mistake. It wasn't 
they, he knew he like he had the feel of the game. He knew what it was going to mean. He knew the Packers weren't doing anything offensively, and it was basically a punt. So yeah, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't a Trubisky level back breaking mm-hmm. interception. It wasn't Matt Hasselbeck in overtime throwing a pick to Al Harris to, oh. to secure the game. So like, we're gonna get the ball. We're gonna win. Or yeah, it, it wasn't Brett Favre down the Superdome. That was the worst yep. one I've seen. That was bad. Yep. He was you he did the that. worst. Yep. <laughs> what did the announcers say? Uh, this isn't this isn't what Chicago. I forget what he said, but it was a, it was a great line. <coughs> and it was just one of those things where you knew Brett Favre <clears throat> was getting to that point because he's getting riskier and riskier with the ball, <coughs> and he's mm-hmm. rolling out. He didn't have to make that throw. He threw across his body. Game over. Um, he could have ran with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm super excited, guys. Um, you know, I'm pumped. What's what's on the agenda for for game day snacks? What's the go to Super Bowl game day snacks for me? It's gonna be chips, and it's gotta be some wings. That's that's always a classic. Yeah, um, same here. Uh, chips, wings. Uh, I also love me some pizza bites as well too. Oh. A little tostino, tostinos action. That's that's definitely where it's at. You know, it's funny. I had a couple. I had those uh, a couple weeks ago. They're not as good as I remember they were as a kid. I don't know if it's been so long since. Well, so there are some communists in the in, in the population, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, for me, like like you said, wing. We're gonna make some wings in the instant pot, and uh, you know maybe some pulled pork chips. Oh. Obviously, mm-hmm. chips obviously are a go to snack with some salsa and you know some dip. And you know, I'm just just looking forward to watching another Super Bowl. I love I love watching the Super Bowl every year, no matter who's in it. And you know, last year I was disappointed. I hope I'm not disappointed this year. So, yeah, um, is this gonna be uh, your son's first Super Bowl, right? It is going to be his first Super Bowl, and he's going to stay up probably for the first quarter. <laughs> well, uh, you know, don't, and then he's don't, going to bed. <laughs> don't don't traumatize him if Brady wins and you start swearing like a sailor in the house. <laughs> no, 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 no. He, if Brady wins, I'm going to be happy. Come on, oh, come on. Oh, man. that's we right, the hedge. The hedge. If you want to call it a hedge, go for it. <laughs> if I'm bet, if I'm betting the game, I'm betting the Chiefs. Okay. All right. Well, you Easy. log into DraftKings, the unofficial official sports book of the Pro Football Radio podcast, and uh, put that ticket in there, my brother. I'll yeah, prove you, it to you. you I'll yes. send it to you. You live from the Shire, right? So you can just uh, hell yeah. From home, I can do, right? yeah, I can do it from home. I can bet that game live, lucky oh, bastard. Lucky Prop bet. Yep. Hey, listen, good prop bet that I put in. I put a lot of money down on Gronk to score a touchdown, and the thought process is. You know, right now they're tied for the most um, postseason touchdowns between a quarterback and a receiver. Um, they're tied with Jay Rice and Joe Montana with 12, trying to get number 13 to get that record. And I saw Brady was forcing the ball to him in that Saints game. Um, and he didn't force as much uh, in that Packers game, but I do feel like they're going to try to get that record. Uh, so that's a little prop bet that I'm going to throw out there. Puma, Puma, I'm asking you, what's your uh, over? What are you going to take on the uh, national anthem length in this game? The over/under right now I'm reading is one minute fifty nine seconds. Who's the Who's the performer? Do we even know who's singing it? Let's find out. Uh, I'll, I'll look it, it up. up right now. Super Bowl fifty five. I mean, I'm kind of inclined to take it's, the under. It's uh, Eric Church Jet? and Jasmine Sullivan. Yeah, who's Jasmine oh. Sullivan? Oh, wait, well, if it's, it's a two duet. People. I'm going over. Two people will go over, right? I'm going over. You got to go over. I'm going to go over. We're going to get some throat clutching moments uh, (laughs) of singing the national anthem. It's going to be another reason why I say just dig up Whitney Houston and and have her sing because she's done the best national anthem I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, But, yeah, I'll take the over on the national anthem. What do you guys think for heads or tails? What do you mean? Like for the prop bet. Do you think the coin's going to win heads or tails? Give me tails. tails. I don't know. I'll take tails too. I guess tails never fails. Whatever. Doesn't really matter. Well, will Eric Church or Jasmine Sullivan forget or omit a word from the national anthem? Is that a live prop? (laughs) I'm reading right now. It is yes plus one thousand. No minus five thousand. Is that on DraftKings or no? No, I'm looking on on Sporting News right now. Okay. Uh, No, I don't think they're gonna forget any words. I don't think so either. Question for um, you guys: If the Buccaneers win the coin toss, do they take the ball and try to score first, or do yes. they defer and give it to Patrick Mahomes first? 
you take the ball and you, mm-hmm. you let Tom Brady go down and score on a scripted drive and, and get mm-hmm. up right out in front and put Patrick Mahomes chasing from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Brady comes out hot like he came out hot against the Packers, you know what's funny? I don't know, Burge, about you because you watch a lot of Brady as well, but you can just tell in pregame warm-ups if Brady has a calmness or you can tell in the first, I would say, drive or so, depending how calm he is how good the game is going to be for him because I saw that calmness against the Packers and there are games where I see he comes on and he's shaking. I'm like, this is going to be a bad day. I don't know if you picked up on that as well. I will say this. Tom Brady has never scored an offensive touchdown in the first quarter of a Super Bowl that that they played in. Mm. So that's something to consider too. Like the Patriots, they they were never a good first quarter team uh, in Super Bowls. So that's something to consider. Maybe, Maybe they... They say, okay, well, we'll we'll let Patrick Mahomes give him a shot and trust our defense here. Uh, he never has had a good first quarter, and I I just I remember back to 2011 against the Giants when he freaking had an intentional grounding in the end zone, caused him a safety. Boom. I remember that. Down two points right there. So, yeah, yeah I you can tell, and you know, if he comes out and scores a first first quarter touchdown like right away on the first drive, like okay, let's go. But uh, I don't have confidence that he's going to do that, just yeah. knowing what I know. Yeah, he's usually a second-half player, and I think this is one of those teams where you can't afford to hang around for a half. That's, I mean, by half to might be 35-0, it might be, it might be game over. <laughs> yeah, so who yeah. knows? <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Well, listen, you guys want to get to anything else, or you want to plug it up? Well, real quick, and then we I'm going to plug it up unless you guys have something to say. Um, in regards to the Watson news, uh, mm. so Vincent Bonsigniori, he's a beat reporter for the Las Vegas Raiders. He works for the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal. He, uh, he tweeted out a story. Uh, this is his tweet. Multiple NFL sources indicate to me that Derek Carr is a hot commodity and it's expected that multiple teams will pursue him via trade that could lead to the Raiders pursuing Watson in a blockbuster trade. So uh, apparently the Raiders are also in the market for a quarterback and are willing to pay a premium penny to do so. Could you imagine Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes in that division? Your God. That'd Sign be me up. Sign me up for oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Insert Bill Belichick meme. Watson in Detroit. Oh, my God. Insane. Definitely something to keep an eye on, but that, that was my last bit. Cool, cool. I will just plug it up and call it a day, fellas. All right. So this episode of the Super Bowl preview podcast can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. Like, subscribe, download. In the case of Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. That some algorithm is factored in and it helps us to get promoted and viewed a little bit more to the masses. So five-star reviews are greatly appreciated by the three amigos of the podcast. Uh, social media-wise, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter, at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. And Burge uh, is at Burge the Goalie on the Twitter machine. Not only is he going toe-to-toe with Jay over Bella Goat <laughs> versus Bella Fraud slash Bella, you know, Barnyard Goat slash Billy Goat. All, all, the, all the negative connotations of a goat that you can figure into a tweet. That, that's good banter God. on there, as well as uh, my man Burge going toe-to-toe with anybody with the pulse at 98.5, the sports hub. Definitely worth the follow, like, subscribe, and hit us up on social media. Otherwise, that is all I got to say. Burge, I'm beta testing a couple more names. I ran one by Brandon the other day, and he loved it, but I'm going to hold that one back for a little bit. Good, because I don't want to hear it. I'm going to use that when I really need that one. That's, that's a well, nuclear football. You're, you're, you're not going to need it because they're going to do something in uh, in this offseason. So you're not going to oh. need it. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. I, can't, I can't wait for us to get Jameis Winston. It's going to be awesome. Woo! <laughs> Jameis Winston. Winston's better than Cam Newton. Let's go. Well, that is true. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, uh, my bottle of whiskey, uh, Buffalo Trace whiskey is better than Cam Newton right now. So. You're going to be drinking a lot of that this offseason, so. One uh, don't I drink a lot of it? Um, now before we wrap up, I I, I got to do this. I'm giving you guys fair warning because apparently I did this last week and I almost blew some people's eardrums out. But this this one this one's gonna be special for Freddie. Phones off. <laughs> Freddie Soliotis, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl, and you're fired.
gets me every time. Wow, every time. All right, folks, enjoy the Super Bowl. Same time next week. See ya. Viacondios!